Joe Biden lets out state secrets, and China has got to be drooling. A really bizarre mass shooting happens in New York this weekend, and you will not hear anything of it today. And the Bud Light freefall just keeps continuing. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So I had a really interesting weekend. I hope you had a good weekend. I had a really interesting weekend. So I had my—I was at a party with my buddy. Uh, this is the guy I always debate with, and we debated again. And every time, and I, I learned something, I decided to take this into a different direction with debating this guy because he's a big critical race theory guy. He's a big reparations guy, black guy. And we were talking, and I decided, you know what, I'm not going to even debate this guy. I'm just going to ask him questions. So we were. Ta- he was. He brought up critical race theory. He really does like talking to me. He really does because he knows he's. I'm a conservative, and you know he's trying to convince me, right? And the reality is, I love debating, but this time I did something different. I asked him questions. So he was talking about critical race theory. I said I don't believe in critical race theory at all. I said, I read Ibram X. Kendi's book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and I thought it was just complete crap. It just basically promotes one group race being evil, whereas another race isn't, and not evil, but but being um, being, uh, oppressors, and the other race not. That one race can be race, is always racist, and is born racist, and the other group not and can never be racist. Blacks can never be racist, whereas whites are always racist because we have the power. I quoted the book a couple of times because I've read it, I've read it, and I've listened to it. And I was amazed. He never read the book. He never even heard of Ibram X. Kendi. I said, well, I mean, how can you talk about critical race theory if you've never read the main book about critical race theory? I go, where are you getting your information? And all I did was ask him questions. Of course, he can't get mad at me because all I'm doing is asking him questions. So I won that argument, needless to say. I I didn't even make a comment over it. I said, you don't replace discrimination with discrimination. We talked about affirmative action, which he thought was a great idea. And I told him, well, affirmative action is just reverse discrimination. All it is is... Is referred. He didn't even know that the affirmative action case was brought to the Supreme Court not by white people. He thought it was brought by white people. I said, no, it was brought by Asians. Well, I don't know who brought it. I, well, no, I'm telling you, it was brought by Asians. This isn't a secret. And the Asian community was the one complaining they were being discriminated against because blacks and Hispanics were getting into colleges while Asians were being kicked out. I go, a white group did not bring this up. And he said, well, I didn't know that. Well, so it was a good argument. It was a good argument. Okay, well, today uh, we, we're going right down the list of uh, culture. Uh, not a lot of news this weekend, of course. Joe Biden took another vacation again, went to Delaware. 40% of his presidency has been on vacation. 40% of his presidency has been on vacation. And again, he spent another three days. He leaves on Friday afternoon and then stays there through Monday and then comes home, comes back to, to Washington, D.C. on Monday. 
So that must be awesome to spend 40% of your... I can't get Josie to take a day off sick leave. But this guy take... The President of the United States takes 40 days. Well, he decided to, to cut his vacation short. By the way, there were some fantastic pictures of him on the beach without a shirt on. My God, he looks terrible. They really... I mean, there is major talk about him pulling out of the presidential race. And I have very little doubt he's going to pull out of the presidential race. I don't see how he stays in. He just looks terrible. But he did do an interview on Sunday with uh, CNN. Um, and wow, he really he really effed it up. Uh, and I can't tell if he effed this up because of apathy, which means he just doesn't care, uh, incompetence, or just pure stupidity. I want to say it's probably a little bit of all three. But this was a massive f up, and uh, <laughs> this 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 doesn't go well. So, according to the Daily Wire, President Joe Biden faced backlash on Sunday after he revealed sensitive U.S. military information during an interview that critics said could ha- make America's adversaries more aggressive. He told CNN's Fareed Sakaria that the reason that he is giving cluster munitions to Ukraine is because the U.S. is running out of 155-millimeter artillery shells. Okay, so last week, the big controversy was that the United States is sending out cluster bombs to Ukraine. Now, cluster bombs are typically considered immoral simply because of the radius. So it's basically you drop a bomb it releases into many miniature bombs, and then they explode. It's a very wide radius. It does a tremendous amount of damage. And the big problem with cluster bombs is that their spread is so wide and uncontrolled that civilians typically could get injured. So, for example, if you're going to bomb Kiev, Russia, it would be a very bad thing if they used cluster bombs because you'd basically be assured you're going to kill somebody. Whereas with the typical 155 millimeter shells, you can target. So the United States, in a controversial move, has decided to send these cluster munitions to Ukraine so that Ukraine can continue fighting Russia. Well, he spilled the beans about we're running out of 155 millimeter shells. Now, he's not saying that Ukraine is running out of 155 millimeter shells, which they are, but they're running they're they're running out of munitions period. That's bad. Him saying that is bad. Him saying that the United States is running out of them is 10 times worse and that is just something you never do. So, here's part of that interview. Let's listen. What made you uh, change your mind and decide to give them these weapons? Two things, Fred, and it was a very difficult decision on my part. Uh, and by the way, I discussed this with our allies, discussed this with our friends up on the hill. And uh, we're in a situation where Ukraine continues to be brutally attacked across the board by munitions, by these cluster munitions that are have dud rates that are very, very low, I mean, very high, that are dangerous to civilians, number one. Number two, uh, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition that they, they call them 155 millimeter weapons. This is a this is a war relating to munitions, and uh, they're running out of those that ammunition, and we're low on it. 
And so what I finally did, took the recommendation of the Defense Department to not permanently, but to allow for in this transition period where we get more 155 weapons, these shells for the Ukrainians, to provide them with a, something that has a very low dud rate. It's about one, I think it's 150, which is the least likely to be blowing. And it's not used in civilian areas. They're trying to get through those trenches. And the one of the ways you win a war or prevent a war is by keeping your enemy off balance. You never want them to know how strong you are, how weak you are. You never want them to know where you're going to attack, when you're going to attack. They always want, you always want your enemy off balance. Well, this dumbass just told everybody that, oh, we're really weak right now. So, uh, we have to do other, we have to do other things. Why would he do that? I, I don't know why. I, you know, there's a, there's a fourth option that I didn't bring up. Um, he's just senile and he doesn't even realize what he's saying. But this guy, every, when Trump was president, I mean, everyone kept bitching and moaning that Trump should never have the nuclear codes. He's so dangerous. Well, this guy has the nuclear codes. And he is obviously extremely incompetent. Now, this also brings up another thing with this Ukraine war. Um, the Russians are winning this war. It, this war right now is at a stalemate. Russia has claimed territory. Territory that I don't think Ukraine is going to get back simply because they are having problems with strategies, their um, logistics. They're having major problems trying to attack certain areas because Russia has the high ground. Um, now we find out that they're running out of ammo and countries don't have the ammo to resupply them. I mean, the question's got to be, when is this going to end? When is this going to end? We know you keep dumping money into that country and we know that country is not any better off with that money, which means probably oligarchs and Zelensky are getting rich. Because it is one of the most corrupt countries. Every time I hear, well, we got to protect democracy, Ukraine has to win because we have to protect democracy. Ukraine was an oligarchy. It was never a democracy. It hasn't been a de Zelensky took over. It wasn't, he didn't make it into a democracy. I mean, Zelensky right now has suspended the vote for next year. Zelensky right now has already banned certain religious religions. He's imprisoned religious practitioners. He's throwing, he's closing churches. Does this guy sound like he's a dumb, into democracy? He's absolutely not. But I, it just shows you, hey, now China heard this guy talk, and they probably already knew. But he heard this guy talk, well, why aren't we attacking Taiwan? They have nothing to give them to protect them. This is one of the reasons why Reagan won the Cold War, is our military. Oh, I don't know. We're a mess. Uh, Ukraine's a mess. And we just continue. We, we do not have any off-ramp for Ukraine. Everyone knows what's happening to Ukraine. They're going to win. They're going to get, keep, Russia's going to keep Crimea. Russia's going to keep most of the Donbass, which they, they took over. And uh, we, Russia has become weak. So it's a trade-off. Now it's time to end this war. And stop giving these people money, stuff. And 
then start building our military because we've got other wars we're going to have to deal with. And we're probably going to have to have direct access to. Okay, so, okay. Here's a bizarre story that took place in New York. Um, what's going to be, it, it's a really weird story. And the media will not even talk about it anymore. It happened on Saturday. Um, it, it's just just strange and fluid. And the second the media found out what who committed these murders, this murder and these crimes, um, they dropped it altogether. So it's just an odd story. So this is a little long, but according to Fox News, the suspect who is accused of shooting four victims in a Brooklyn and Queens boroughs of New York City on Saturday morning has been identified in charge. Thomas Abreu, 25, is facing several charges related to murder, criminal possession of a weapon, and attempted murder. Police believe he drove an illegal scooter while firing randomly at people and walking in the, walking in the street. The suspect was seen walking out of 107th Precinct in Queens on Sunday. Abreu flashed an odd smile as he was taken into a vehicle while in handcuffs and a jumpsuit. Chaos began when the 21-year-old man was shot in the shoulder at Cypress Hills, Brooklyn, at around 11.10 on Saturday morning. Around 20 minutes later, an 86-year-old man was fatally shot in the back near 108th Street and Jamaica Avenue. The 86-year-old victim was identified as Hamu Sadihi of Queens. He was transported to a Jamaica hospital but died. Shortly after, a 44-year-old man was shot in the cheek near 126th, and a 63-year-old man was shot in the shoulder at 134th. All the victims were transported to local hospitals, and three are recovering from their wounds. Now, what the article mentions later, and I won't bring it, I won't read it, but he also shot into a crowd of people 20 minutes later. He just missed everybody. Now, the only good news is when you have a felon carrying a weapon, an illegal weapon, um, typically they can't shoot because they don't get a lot of practice because they're not allowed to practice. Now, I do want to point out this thing. Um, CNN, when they when this story first broke, they were covering it, and the first thing they were bringing up, of course was white supremacy, but then it turned out that this guy was black and Hispanic. So they dropped that narrative, and then they brought up gun control. Well, here's the problem with this. One, um, this guy was a felon, so he was never allowed to own a gun. He, this is his second arrest. Second, he had mental health issues, so he was never allowed to own a gun. And third, this gun was purchased illegally. So he was never allowed to own this gun. So right off the bat, you can throw gun control argument out of the window because there are 15 different reasons why gun control wouldn't have worked here. But of course, the media, they talked about this through Friday afternoon, uh, Saturday afternoon, and then dropped it. There was no mention of it, except that he was arrested. Now, am I going to say this is a race thing, a gun control? No, this was just some nut job who got a, who stole, by the way, he stole the moped or the scooter. He stole the scooter and is driving around shooting people. He's just crazy. That's it. And as far as I'm concerned, race had nothing, nothing, nothing had anything to do with this except a crazy person decided to go do a crazy thing. Okay. 
Now, you could say, well, New York mental health failed or whatever. Well, crazy people are going to do crazy things. So maybe there's more to this story. Haven't heard it yet. This We just know he's, he's a nut job. He's a felon. He illegally bought the gun. He stole the scooter. And he just decided to start shooting people. But we won't talk about this because he's he's a black and he's Hispanic. I I don't get it. I mean, I would want to hear about the story simply because it is really kind of a weird story. I mean, shooting someone every 20 minutes while driving around uh, New York on a scooter. Very strange story. Okay, so the shit just keeps getting deeper for Bud Light. Uh, according to The Blaze, Bud Light is no longer one of the top ten beers in America following the Dylan Mulvaney controversy, according to a new survey. Just a quick update. Dylan Mulvaney is a man who thinks he's a woman. These guys, Bud Light decided to create cans with his effigy on it. They decided to say they were supporting the trans thing. All this crap. Most... Beer drinkers are 20-something uh, white people, conservative, and suddenly conservatives said, I'm not drinking Bud Light anymore, and then Bud Light got trashed. I, they are 30% down. They've lost billions of dollars. I think it's in the tens of billions of dollars right now in sales. They were the number one beer in the country. As far as sales go, now they're not. I think they've fallen out of the top three. Modelo has taken over. I mean, they're just a mess. Continuing with the article, according to a new YouGov survey, Bud Light is out of the top 10 most popular beer brands. In the second quarter of 2023, Bud Light was tied for 14th ranked beer brand with a 42% popularity rating. Bud Light was tied with Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. My God, do you know how hard it is to find Pabst Blue Ribbon? PBR? And now they're down there with Pabst? And if you thought Bud Light was piss water, Pabst Blue Ribbon is worse. It is nothing but water, yellow water. That's all it is. So um, Bud Light used to be ranked number nine. Now it has dropped to 14. The top 10 beers, in case you're curious, are Guinness, 58%, Corona, 53%, Heineken, 51%, Samuel Adams, 49%, Blue Moon, 48%, Budweiser, 48%, Modelo, 47%, Corona, 46%, Stella Artois, 46 and Coors 45. I mean, they are they have fallen beyond Coors. Wow. Here's the problem. Bud Light Spirit just isn't that great. And there is no floor for Bud Light. They can go lower. They're again, they're down 30% in sales. They're down tens of billions of dollars since this Dylan Mulvaney mess. And the worst part, they just refuse to apologize. They refuse to say, hey, you know what? Sorry, we won't we won't deal with politics again. They don't even have to say we will not support the trans or gay thing, LGBTQI plus poop emoji cultists again. They just have to say we will not go political again. We will just stay out of it. Well, guess what? They haven't apologized. If they had done that, people would buy cases of Bud Life again, a light again. But they refuse to do it. And here's the thing. Their window is getting shorter. 
there's going to be a point that if they decide to apologize, let's say six months from now, it's going to be too late. People are not going to be interested. Why? Because one, it's just going to look like another virtue signal to get people back. And two, because they, they would have apologized, they should have apologized earlier. And two, their, their beer just isn't that great. Their beer sucks. And, and the big thing is, well, I've just discovered Coors Light. Why would I go back to Bud Light? Screw it. I'll stick with Coors Light. And Bud Light's really suck it. I mean, you can buy Bud Light right now for like 2 or $3 an 18-pack because they can't sell the beer. You go to just about any liquor store right now, Bud Light has one shelf, whereas they used to have six. They are getting killed, and you can see it now. The public can see it. Baseball stadiums cannot sell Budweiser. So, you know, hey, good for them. I'm glad. Keep it up. By the way, there's a wonderful article in uh, Fox News where they talked about a lot of people said that boycotts don't work. Conservative boycotts never work. And this article basically said, no, conservative boycotts work just great. Maybe I'll read it to you later because I do have it saved. But conservative boycotts don't work. Bud Light wasn't the first conservative boycott. The first conservative boycott was the NBA. The NBA, after 2020, when all those idiots started wearing, you know, uh, end racism on their backs instead of their names, that is what killed the NBA. The NBA has not recovered. It's been three, it's been four years, three years, and the NBA still has not recovered from that. So that was considered the first open, openly conservative boycott of a company was the NBA. And the NBA is still sucking eggs. And they can't figure out. And instead of just going to play basketball, they're still being woke. LeBron James, for example, still being woke. Well, they, they're not learning and they're losing their asses. And then when the NBA sits back, and the NBA has been saying for years, well, the reason is nobody's watching any other sport. That's not true. Baseball is up. Football is way up. Hockey is way up. People are watching other sports. Even NASCAR has gone up. and But NASCAR is going woke, too. So we'll have to see what happens with them. It's a fantastic article. I'll have to look it up. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go through some of that. It's very long, so I won't read the entire article. Speaking of going woke, going broke, um, it looks like uh, Ben and Jerry's is <laughs> stepping into their own BS. Uh, not only is their stock plummeting right now, this is after they sat there and said that the United States is on stolen land on July 4th that Americans was built on stolen land. Um, now they're getting called out. And they're not getting called out by a... By the way, there's no nationwide boycott of Ben & Jerry's. People just didn't like what they said and stopped buying it. I, I don't see anything on Twitter about, let's boycott Ben & Jerry's. No one's doing that. They're, people just stopped buying their, their ice cream, and they've fallen 20%. So, I mean, Ben & Jerry's has always been this way. It's not like Ben & Jerry's just started going woke. They've been woke forever. Well, here's the problem Ben and Jerry's have. It's it's this a lot of this boycott here 
is not being pushed by white people or conservatives, it, but Native Americans are pissing on them right now. So this is just delicious. I love this. So according to Fox News, a Vermont Native American chief is calling on Ben and Jerry's to make good on their July 4th remarks to return stolen indigenous land, arguing that the ice cream maker's headquarters is on a land that was previously owned by Native nations. Quote, I have, and we're, we're going to hear the, you're actually going to hear the talk. I have not been in direct communication with Ben and Jerry's, but I'm always open to any sort of correspondence or communication to figure out the purpose behind the tweet and how we could work together to uplift our community. Chief Don Stevens of the Noel Hagen Band of the Kusuk Abenaki Nation said on Fox and Friends on Sunday, so let's listen. Let's let's listen to this article because it it listen to this, um, not article but interview. It, it's pretty funny. Here it is. Haven't been so sweet for Ben and Jerry's after the company posted an anti-American tweet, a few of them on the Fourth of July, causing their parent company Unilever to lose nearly two billion dollars in market cap in just a few days. The ice cream makers declared the United States was founded on stolen indigenous land. Our next guest says Ben and Jerry should be the first to give up their headquarters on his tribe's land. Chief of the Nalhegan Band of the Kusak Abenaki Nation, Don Stevens, joins us now. Chief Stevens, thank you very much for being here. So first off, just to get the facts straight, you can confirm that your tribe previously uh, had been in control of the land where Ben and Jerry's has its headquarters today. Yes, Vermont is part of the Western Abenaki territories, and there are four state-recognized tribes located in Vermont right now. So it is um, it is the home of all four of our, our our nations. Have they made any statements in the past? Have you had any communication with them that they acknowledge this and, based on their public stance, think they should do something about it? I have not been in direct communication with Ben and Jerry's, but I'm always open to uh, any sort of correspondence or communication to figure out um, the purpose behind the tweet and how we could work together to uplift our community. So do you think Ben and Jerry's is just interested in talking about other lands like Mount Rushmore and, and disputed places and not about their own backyard? I mean, what does it say to you about their stance that they're willing to, they want everyone else to give it up, but but don't look in our backyard. Well, I can't read their mind, Pete. So I think the best way is for Ben and Jerry's to reach out, uh, contact us as the uh, state recognized uh, Abenaki tribes uh, in in our homeland and, and where their uh, factories and headquarters sit and have a conversation. And uh, if they're willing to uh, work with us and, and, and help uh, uplift our people, then I'm there for the conversation. But we haven't had any contact yet. Yeah, and I think he's absolutely correct. I think everyone's correct. I think they should. And matter of fact, I, I think the people at Ben & Jerry should be questioned about this. Yes, I, I really do. This falls under the example of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I mean, this, is, this was a stupid statement to make on the 4th of July. You guys made it to get attention. Well, you got attention. $2 billion in losses, and you've now got an Indian tribe that's asking you to give their land back, to, to tear down your factories and give the land back so you can lose more money. Now, by the way, 
Am I saying Ben and Jerry should give up their land? Yeah, they should. I think they should. I mean, they believe this. They tweeted it. They're pointing at other places and saying they should give up their land. So, yeah, I think they should be the first. Lead by example. Go for it. Now, am I saying that other companies should give? Of course not. That's stupid. What they said was stupid. I also think that the Winnipeg Jets, who, who sit there and talk about the stolen land, yeah, they should, uh, or Winnipeg, whatever they're called, yeah, they should give up their land too in Canada. Give it back to the Indians. You guys are, are saying that? Give it back to the Indians. Now, here's the reality. Do I have any sympathy for the Indians? No. The Indians started a war with the fledgling United States. They killed 30% of the population. And we just killed more than they did. And they died. The land wasn't stolen. It was conquered. Get over it. That's the way it works. And by the way, the Indians were not living in a world uh, with peace. And this was not an Eden-like country. The Indians were a bunch of savages back then. They were killing each other. They were eating each other. They were scalping each other. Where do you think the term scalping came from? That wasn't something the white man made up. That was something the Indians were doing. And the Indians did it too their defeated foes on a regular basis. So I don't want to hear about the Indians, how peaceful they were and loving and how they were living in peace. They weren't living in peace. They were One was beating the crap out of the other. The Aztecs were notorious for conquering tribes and then, then sacrificing their, their uh, foes by cutting out their hearts while they were alive. Please don't tell me they were peaceful. And there's also evidence right now that the Indians were actually dying out as a dying out as a culture. They dealt with things like herpes and syphilis. They de they couldn't deal with viruses. There were it, it, some people were saying, "Oh, there were 50 million Indians. There weren't 50 million Indians. Now there the count, the population, Indian population at the time, they've got them down to about 8 million. They think they might have been as low as 1.5 million. So to sit back and say that the Indian population in the United States was thriving is just not true. Not to mention they didn't have the technology to continue on as a thriving civilization. To call them a civilization is a stretch. Because it, hey, hey, this is a group that didn't even invent the wheel. They didn't even have the wheel. They were very low as technologically when it came to animal husbandry, and they were very low technologically when it came to agriculture. Most of the Indians were nomads. They'd go from one place to the other. That's why there were teepees, because they could fold them up and carry them. They never had, very few tribes had permanent homes. And by the way, don't even get me started about the buffalo. I keep hearing how the white men are killing all the, the... The Indians were killing the buffalo, too. Oh, I'm so... It's just... It really is annoying to hear these people make the Indians out into something they really weren't. Okay, let's get to one more story. No, we... We're at 30 minutes. We'll do this story tomorrow. I got a, I got a bunch more. So... Tell me what you think about the format. Leave a comment below because this is what I really want to cover. Not as much news and politics, but mostly culture because culture is downstream of politics. And I think some of this culture is actually really interesting and it's kind of funny. Um, 
So we've got some more stories tomorrow. We'll cover it up. We'll cover it. We'll cover it. Not cover it up. I'm trying to open it up because the media is covering it up. I hope you guys have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.